Welcome to another episode of the True Sweet Hide podcast. Today's guest is Laura Suzanne Yokelson. She is an accomplished graduate of American University with a master's in health promotion management. She is a committed mental health advocate who has written more than a dozen articles raising awareness about recovery and resources for NAMI, the AU Eagle, Project Heal, Active Minds, and others. After her graduation in 2019 from AU, she continued her on-campus involvement through collaborating with key health partners to make a positive difference. I can't wait for you to hear her story. That's amazing, Laura. Honestly, I I just, I really love what you do. And I love that we have connected because I, listening to everything that you love to do, it sounds a little bit like me, I will try on the veteran side, at least I haven't gone out. I, I mean, I want to know more about NAMI and, and everything you're doing, especially since now I'm in the, you know, we're close in the area, but I work on the veteran side on sharing my story and trying to help them, especially when, once you get out of the army and you feel lost and disconnected and you feel like you lost your identity and trying to tell them that, you know, there is life, there is a light at the end of the tunnel and, and all that. It, it's been quite the journey. And I, the more I do that, the more I'm trying to find other organizations to assist with, especially like American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, because I am a suicide attempt survivor. And it's been so hard to say stuff like that and to, and to actually say it out loud. But I find myself wanting to get more involved and it's, it's a little scary for me sometimes because, you know, I am sharing more of myself with more of the world, but I feel that it's, it's like a self healing journey, right? You, you help other people, but you're also helping yourself because it's getting a little bit easier to say it, to share that story. It's not so much. I mean, it's always going to be a part of you, but it's made you into who you are now. It's not, but for me, I know it's not so scary anymore. It's, you know, it happened. Um, it was terrible, but I'm here and I'm here for a reason. And I think this is a path we're supposed to be on. So I, I really, I really do commend you for doing everything that you're doing. And I really, gosh, I really want to figure out a way to work together, but um I'm so glad there are people like you that are out there <laughs> Thank talking you. about, no, I honestly, because it's, yeah. you have to, it's almost like you have to be the first one to make that step and then everyone else will follow because they need to hear it from someone else that they're not alone. Right. Exactly. You know, and so by you writing and, and I see, are you, you want to speak more too? Yeah, I actually yeah. have a presentation coming up um at AU uh called tackling eating disorders and mental health challenges so I kind of break down it's basically like I went through all of my articles and took the key points and also provided some uh facts about eating disorders and how prominent they are um so that's coming up in March and I'm hoping that I can get more you know, more opportunities to present. (laughs) That'd be cool. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's amazing. Um, You send me some details. Maybe if I can, I'd like to go support you on that and and be there and 
and cheer you on because okay. that's such a big step to be out there and actually speak so it's sometimes it's easier to be behind the computer you know you're writing but to be out in front of people that's such a huge step and it, right. not a lot of people realize that you can write all day long but speaking in front of people it's such a it's a different different world and college students have so many issues today and they're such a vulnerable yes. population and that was such a vulnerable time for me that it means a lot right. that I can just kind of be there and be honest with them so that's really good and I guess I can tell you a little more about what the presentation covers would that be helpful oh absolutely whatever you want to share okay so um, <laughs> types of eating disorders so then the general impact, which is basically some statistics. I guess the main point that I want to come across in that is that, you know, eating disorders are not just about food and they can affect anybody. You know, I think there's some stereotypes about eating disorders and I kind of fit the stereotypical mold, unfortunately, (laughs) but not everybody else does. You know what I mean? (laughs) Right, right. Then the next chunk is about my story. So like I was saying um, earlier, I talk about the onset and the triggers, my time at college, which was lopsided. Um, Then like trying to help myself by writing this book, which ultimately led to like three years of crisis, you know? So that was like, I wish I could go back and, there were so many challenging parts to having a diagnosis and being so critical and hard on myself as part of the eating disorder that when these rigid standards were placed on me in the hospitals, it's confusing because it's like, wait, I thought I was supposed to be the only bad guy here, you know? (laughs) And then the way that you're treated, it's kind of like, if you don't finish your plate, you're punished. And it's just like, um, I don't know. I really didn't like it, but I guess, you know, that's, that's a whole other area, specific area of advocacy that I kind of want to focus on is empowering the patient and the client, not always telling them what to do. Yeah, um, sure. Then I focus on the path to recovery. Finally, after all that great, <laughs> great <laughs> stuff. Um, I provide some resources and discussion questions. So that's what my presentation covers. That sounds like an amazing presentation. Good for you. I'm (laughs) excited to see the reaction. It's going to be awesome. Thanks. Wow. I, um, there was one thing I was going to ask you. You've, I've seen some of your posts about self-care and the products you use. How did how has that helped you? And how did you get into that? That's a really good point. You know, when I was younger, I kind of like did not understand my mom and her makeup and like, like her waxing and like this stuff that she did. And I almost like made fun of her for it. But as I've gotten older, and as I became a teenager, and it's like, okay, I could get my first eyebrow waxed. (laughs) I don't know. It's just like, it's just like really meaningful right um it matters that you care for yourself and I personally feel like caring about my face and like um you know I I like to do my own um paper like I get a paper face mask on sale at Whole Foods or 
like Target or wherever. Mm. And um, like I did one this morning and you just leave it on for like 10 minutes or whatever. And then that's it. But I don't know. It's just like, it's like this feeling of renewal. And I think that focusing on my skin uh, helps me to take the focus off of weight because for so long I was so self-critical and consumed by my body that I feel like I want to feel fresh and rejuvenated and it doesn't really matter what you weigh. You can still care about your skin and have good hygiene um, and feel good and be beautiful, you know? So that's kind of been an important focus for me just because when I suffered with anorexia, I didn't look like a model. I was really depressed and I couldn't shower and I wore baggy clothes. And, and so today it's very meaningful that it, it sends a message to, in my mind that I care about my, my appearance, that I want to feel attractive, that I want to um, believe in myself um, and not judge myself. It's just kind of, it's really important in supporting my recovery to have that self-care. Those are such great points. And I, gosh, I can kind of relate to that because I've been struggling with weight for the past three years since I retired. And I was, I was just depressed. I didn't want to do anything. And then I got in a car accident and it took me, you know, about a year to recover and I'm still, I was like, I can't go to the gym. I don't want people to see my scars. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. And then finally, I decided when my son goes back to school after the holidays, that's it. I need to do something for myself. So I joined the gym and I've been going every day, well, five days five days a week consistently for almost two months now. And I feel better. I, I don't I don't look like a model. But I feel better because I know that I'm getting stronger. And then recently I, you know, I've got, I had gift cards that I got two years ago that I'm just now using and I kept putting it off. Like, I don't have time to go. I don't really need to do this. I need to do other stuff. And I said, you know what? My husband and my son were going out on a Saturday. I said, I'm going to make an appointment. That's it. I'm going to get a facial. Because I thought, oh, I, I'm washing my face, I'm using the products, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. But I needed to do something for myself. And I went, and it's like I had that aha moment, like, oh my <laughs> yeah. gosh. Nice. Like, what have I been missing? I need to figure out a way to do this consistently, whether it's a massage or a facial. Because sometimes self-care isn't sitting on the couch watching Netflix, Sometimes it's actually leaving the house and doing something like that to make you feel better. And I did after the facial, I felt, I felt rejuvenated. I felt refreshed. I felt like a new person and it could have been, it, it was something simple as someone else washing my face, but you know what I mean? It's just like, it's something small like that, that made me feel better. And it was for me, it wasn't me running around trying to, do stuff for other people. So it made me feel like a new person and I need, I know I need to do that more. And I think it took me two years to, to figure that out. So when you're talking about feeling fresh and doing stuff for yourself, that is so true. We forget about that stuff. Mm -hmm. We always forget. We're always so concerned about doing everything else. And 
I don't know. It was just, yeah, it was like a whole different experience. So that's, that's awesome. And you look amazing, by the way, when your pictures are just like <laughs> your, your skin looks so good. I'm like, man, I'm like saving your posts because I want to use what you use. So you're going to have to send me some, some tips because I'm, I don't know. I'm not like, like 16 year old breakout, but I am, I do still break out and it's still frustrating. I'm like, I'm 44. My face should not have these problems, but they do. So I just, <laughs> yeah, but they're great. Uh, well, gosh, what are you not doing? What else are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, something else I enjoy that's part of self-care is walking. That's and, good. um, like this morning I took a walk. I mean, there were still a lot of cars, but how, what I tell myself is like in Florida, I had to drive and everywhere to do anything. And what's nice about where I live now is I can go outside and I can walk. I do my grocery shopping, walking there. I take the Metro. So I feel like that was kind of a way of showing myself like that I wanted to be outside and, you know, go for a walk. And I think that, you know, doing the gym like you do is awesome because you get that like, you develop, it's part of developing your self-awareness by being in touch with your body. And, you know, I think that there's this stereotype also that it's only yoga that does the mind-body connection, but I think anything you do, you know, can be, can be so helpful. And um, that's something I did. And I guess something I haven't talked about is the things I've had to like let go of and leave behind so that I see that in some of your posts, like, because that's, such an important part of of growing you know like so for me like I had to stop yoga because it was just like so much pressure to be like vegan and thin and and I'm not those things you know that's not for me Uh so it was just like it feels like a release to say okay I don't have that that other thing I have to do that I don't really want to do so you know focusing on um making myself happy like that is really important and just surrounding myself with other friends who I don't feel like um, I need to be ashamed around, you know, who I can be open with. And, you know, not all of my friends are like, um, well, I guess, I guess like mental health advocates, but a lot of them actually want to share their story with me too. And it's like an equal balance. So that's, that's really good. That's so important. I'm glad you have that. That is, it's, I've lost friends because I've been so open. And mm-hmm. um, that was really difficult to try and figure out, well, what did I say wrong? What did I do? Are you mad at me? And then I had to realize, you know what? It's okay. If they don't know what to say, it's okay. Um, if they don't want to talk about it or they don't know how to react, then it's okay because I need to do this for me and the right people will be in my life that, you know, will understand. So it's, it is great to have, even if they're not mental health advocates, as long as they're supportive and, you know, they want to just talk about it, then that, that is important for us. I think it's great that you have that. Yeah. Yeah. That's (laughs) been, that's been part of my recovery too. It's amazing what you see when you're on your recovery. It's, it's a lot of change, both good and bad, but I think as long as we remember that this is for us, then it gets a little bit easier, but still there's, there's days. Right. Yeah. 
<laughs> and it's okay to have those days. <laughs> but um well gosh, Laura, I um I really am. I'm so grateful that we we've connected and I, I love seeing your posts and everything you're doing. And yes, we're gonna have to meet in person. Gosh darn it. Yeah. I'm just too close. I will drive to you. So we'll figure that out offline. And okay. uh, you continue doing what you're doing and let me know if there's any way I can support you because I think us mental health advocates need to stick together to make big changes in the world. Definitely. That sounds awesome. Yes. Thank you very much for being on here and I will talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye. You are listening to the Truth Rehide podcast with Laura Suzanne Yokelson. She is a committed mental health advocate and she is sharing her story about overcoming her eating disorder and how she has changed that journey into helping other people. Laura, how are you today? I'm great. Thank you, Annette. Thank you for being on here. I really appreciate it. I've been following Laura for a little while now. And I just, I I love connecting with other mental health advocates and her story and her journey and everything that she does is, it's it's just amazing. And it's heartwarming because she's doing so much to help others along with her herself. And so I want you to hear all about her story So, Laura, go ahead and tell us. Okay. Well, I recently just moved to Washington, D.C., so I'm very excited to be closer to you, and now hopefully we can meet in person. Yes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, So that's what's going on in my life right now. I was actually born in Washington, D.C., though, um, in July 18th, 1989, so I'm 30 now, and I've been on this quest – to be a mental health advocate for a while, I kind of got a rocky start because I started by um, writing a book and it just, I wasn't really (laughs) ready. It wasn't, you know, a holistic approach, I guess you could say. It was, I kind of blamed other people. So I've come full circle now and, uh, you know, really struggled and been hospitalized. And, you know, I've had some pretty negative experiences in the mental health world. But I feel like today, I want to turn that around and take my story to inspire others. That's such that as commendable. I, I love that. I, I hate that you went through so much. Um, what's the word? I hate that you, you've gone through so much in order to get here, but I'm so happy to see what you're doing now with it. Um, so, well, yay for DC. I know that when we spoke, you were in the process of moving, but I'm excited now that we're like 40 minutes apart. Yeah. Um, but tell us about all, you, you're writing and you're speaking and you're volunteering. So tell us about all that. Okay. Well, I just had a piece come out for National Alliance on Mental Illness for one of their publications called NAMI Voice. And this was called The Long Road to Finding Hope. So in this piece, I talk about my diagnoses. At 14, I was diagnosed with anorexia nervosa. And then around 25, I was diagnosed with psychosis. Um, before I was diagnosed with anorexia, I struggled with obsessive compulsive disorder, although 
it's kind of a long <laughs> story, but um, I wasn't really, I wasn't treated for that because once I was diagnosed, it kind of um, was really, it wasn't bad enough that um, my family really felt they had to act. So there were a lot of missed warning signals. And that's when, by the time I was diagnosed with anorexia, um, they knew they had to do something because I just looked so horrible. And, um, so a lot of the theme in my writing, as I was saying, is the sort of the onset of these issues and what can we do to have prevention and then early intervention. So today I actually, when I write, I talk to my family and I work with them and we, they give me their perspective on who I was and they tell me, oh, but you were such a model child. No one would have thought you had these problems. So obviously there was a big disconnect between my, what was going on inside of me and how others perceived me. And I think that's true with a lot of people suffering from mental illness, but the, what came first before everything was my anxiety. I had Mm -hmm. high anxiety from a very young age. My grandfather died of cancer when I was five and he was diagnosed when I was like probably almost four. So, you know, that was really scary and traumatic for me because I loved my grandfather. He was like my favorite person in the world. And he was someone I could let go with. And a lot of the issues with my eating disorder later on is that it just wouldn't let go. I couldn't face my demons. I couldn't face my eating disorder. I got trapped in a very dark place because it just felt like these diagnoses were the end of the world. So what's meant to lead to, you know, an effective treatment um, didn't. Just because you have the right diagnosis doesn't mean you get the right treatment. That's kind of something I'd like to share and something that I think, you know, as a mental health advocate, I'd like to work on helping people once you have your diagnosis, like, um, what's the next step forward and how do you act and not just stay trapped and how horrible it feels to be diagnosed because that's so scary when you're diagnosed with something. Thank you for sharing that. People do need to know. They really do. And I, and I think that's, that's left out. And, and I think it's important also what, what's go, what you think you see on the outside is not the same what's going on on the inside. It's such a different, different aspect and it's so difficult so by writing these pieces what is your hope is to educate and to share you know or you know give people more information on what they don't really know what they don't see exactly yeah all of the above just what you said is exactly my goal in in writing and um it's also very helpful for me to just translate my feelings and emotions into words it's like synthesizing I don't know it's very integrative for me and um I think that you know I always my dad helps me with my writing and that's really helpful because honestly I don't know if I could do this on my own (laughs) right (laughs) they're my ideas but it's just like to have that coach there and like you know, I don't have to pay him. So that's nice. That's awesome to have that support. Right, right. That's super helpful. Everyone in my family kind of plays a unique role (laughs) in supporting me. 
I love that because it, it's so hard. Some people don't want to share their story because they don't have that support because they're afraid of being judged or being perceived as, oh no, there's something wrong with her. When in fact, you know, there's just some struggles and we just need people to understand. And I think that's what we're missing in, in society is people aren't taking the time to understand. So I'm hoping that by reading your story and really digesting those words and those feelings, they can get something out of it and go, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't be so judgy. <laughs> Maybe uh-huh. I should take a minute and educate myself on this because it's not just about, oh, there's something wrong with her. Okay, why don't you take the time to figure out what's going on? Like really, you know, right. it stemmed from the age of five or with me at the age of six. It's just, you don't know. And I always tell my kids that never judge a book by its cover. You don't know what's going on, but we're so used to doing that oh well why is she dressing that way or why is she acting that way we don't really know do we and it's it's hard for us as this generation is to not be so judgmental it's so hard we just need to learn to step back and mind our own business really yeah (laughs) or educate ourselves on you know what's on the inside instead of seeing what's on the outside but so I see you're also volunteering a lot as well why don't you Mm -hmm. tell us about that yeah well I volunteered um I've done a couple different things over the summer I volunteered at a conference for mental health America so I like worked in the store and that was a really cool experience because I got to sort of sit in on the conference and and that was like my first time at a big mental health conference um and you know, in addition to that, I got to sort of see the Mental Health America headquarters in Arlington. So that was really cool. And that's a place I'd like to sort of get more involved with. In addition to um, National Alliance on Mental Illness, which is also in Arlington, I think. And I've been to their headquarters. And with a lot of my volunteering, I mean, the writing is like volunteering, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. I've also volunteered... um, for American University. I um, graduated there recently with my master's degree in health promotion management. And um, thank you. I interviewed uh, prospective first year students who were interested in basically going to AU um, undergraduate as undergraduates. So that was like a big volunteer project because I was given a set of questions and Um, you know, it's a little, it's not exactly mental health, but as part of it, I kind of shared how AU stuck with me through my mental illness and how I was able to work with the faculty because I had to take a leave of absence and take a year off. And like, I went to treatment and they, they were very understanding and caring. So today I try to maintain like those, uh, relationships with my professors when I'm as right now I'm looking for a job since I've newly relocated so that's um I try to stay connected to AU alumni and then I've also volunteered um in Florida which is where I lived uh where I went to treatment and then lived independently for a year with um NAMI National Alliance on Mental Illness um in Broward County I did some outreach to volunteers to help with the walk and um, 
just sort of spend some time in the office learning, learning about it. And I did um, some trainings in mental health first aid and in to be a support group leader. Um, even though I don't really have a support group now, it was still still a good experience to go through what, what it's like to, to be, uh, it's called connections recovery support group, I think. So it's always, I'm always up for new learning experiences. (laughs) I love that so much. I've recently tried to, I've been throwing myself into things like that, um, I feel like, I, I mean, I didn't have a, a really big support system either. And I feel just like getting yourself involved in those helps you to actually maybe create one, you know, and, mm-hmm. and meet other people. And and I think I love the fact of what you said about AU. I, um, I recently had to, my, my son, he was diagnosed with a slight case of depression years ago. He's 17 now, but when we moved here, the school was four times bigger than where he was, Wow, where he was used to. We always, everywhere we went, there were always in small little private schools. And this one is a public school with thousands of kids. So it was, we, you know, my husband thought, oh, he'll be okay. You know, he'll have new friends and he's, he's pretty resilient what well, really wasn't that okay. And he really started to get depressed and he secluded himself and all this. Mm-hmm. But what I loved the most was the school and how they handled it. I, this brings tears to my eyes. I, um, I will forever be grateful to the high school here for opening up their, hearts to my son and finding ways to help him and work with him and he was also diagnosed with some a learning disorder where he never had that before and so they're willing to work with him and when he gets that in that depressed mode you know his his counselor will she'll notice and she'll say you know and she'll go up to him and she'll talk to him and his coaches will do the same thing and it's just it's so important to have that because you go to these schools or universities or whatever and you get lost in the system you're just another student they might know your name they might recognize your face but like in the military we're just another number so it's hard and so for them to reach out and help you through your 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 therapy or, you know, seeking help. That's just, that's incredible. And I'm so glad you had that. I, I yeah, just, that when you really said good. that, I was like, Oh my gosh, that's amazing. And for you to come out and want to help other people, whereas some people would just, you know, they don't want to go out into the world. They just want to, they, they just used to secluding themselves. They, you know, they, they don't want to go out and do something. So when did you decide I want to be a mental health advocate? I want to help other people. Um, I think that I guess, you know, I've always been passionate about like teaching at like when I was a little girl, I'd play school like with my friends or I'd play store. And I kind of feel like it was in my personality to want to, because I feel that as an advocate, I'm also like a a teacher, 
you know, I'm sort of sharing about my illness and sort of giving some pointers to say, like, you know, how, how hopefully you can help yourself and what I've learned from my journey. But basically, the turning point was in Florida when I started to, um, I was in a transitional living as part of my treatment in South Florida. And I had a break, I was working virtually to complete my master's degree while I was in the transitional living. And I decided that um, the treatment center, I said, I want to write an article. And I started talking things out and writing things down. And the treatment center was like, well, I, I asked if I could go on their website. And um, this article is all about my experiences in treatment and finding mental well-being and how it wasn't a straight line. You know, I, like I said, I had hospitalizations and I had long periods of treatment that did not help and made things worse. That led to like, because I had one psychotic break when I was like uh, 24 or 25, I was living with my dad in San Diego. And then I actually had a near-death experience um, as part tied to my eating disorder and like electrolyte imbalance while I was also going through psychosis. So those were really tied together. And unfortunately, it's not like I became enlightened as a result of this near-death experience because my parents, that's how the eating disorder treatment started with sending me to renowned hospitals um, to treat the eating disorder, but there was so much focus on gaining weight and maintaining a certain weight that um, it really, there wasn't enough emphasis on self-care. Like you don't think about it, but like when you shower, you have a face wash, you have a nice soap. And it's like these things I didn't, I didn't really have. It was just like the showers were timed, you, you know, and what I was able to do at, the treatment center in South Florida, after I had a second psychotic break, I called the police. I said, my family is hurting me. You know, they said they, I complained and I was, and I sort of made my parents take down artwork and like, just sort of wouldn't even talk and was making everyone communicate with me through sticky notes. So they hired an interventionist and sent me to this place in South Florida. And it was very difficult at first. Um, but today I actually work with the same therapist that I did in intensive outpatient treatment. We talk on the phone like about every two weeks. So obviously something clicked there. I feel like I just got lucky and that that's how I kind of learned about NAMI and some of these other organizations. And it just seemed like a natural progression to write the article for the treatment center and then to write an article for AU and then the writing kind of grew out of that. Um, so my goal today is to like get involved with more nonprofits and, you know, find a job where I'm, you know, helping, continuing to help others, continuing to share my story, you know, helping support others as a peer. That's like the goal. Thank you for listening to the Truths We Hide podcast created by A Wild Ride Called Life. To find out more about our mission, visit www.awildridecalledlife.com.